Welcome to episode one of RNF Unlocked, a podcast series that gives you exclusive insider access to the crypto data RNF MotoGP team. We hope you enjoyed the pilot episode last week as we took you behind the scenes of the team's debut in the 2023 MotoGP World Championship. My name is Neil Morrison, and today I'm delighted to say that I'm joined by team principal Raslan Rosali. Hello, Raslan. Hey, guys. Also, uh, team manager Wilco Zielenberg. Hi, Wilco. Hi, good afternoon. And also, MotoGP journalist David Emmett. Hello, David. Hello. So, guys, we're here in Austin ahead of round three of the championship. We're delighted to say that uh, we're back to two riders this weekend in the RNF uh, racing team. Uh, Miguel is here, and uh, I guess you guys are expecting a good weekend ahead, Ryslan. Yeah, we're back at uh, full strength. Uh, so, we had a chat with uh, Miguel, it's looking good. And we also had a discussion with his crew chief. Uh, you know, initially they wanted him to take it easy, but uh, it seems that Miguel said no. Don't don't worry about his physical condition. He's he's feeling good. He's looking good, um, confident, um, motivated. He wants to pick up where he left off uh, in Potima, of course, before the crash. <laughs> uh, Wilco, I mean, you, you you're an ex-rider. You know what it's like to ride with injuries. How do you think Miguel will manage with with the with the injury with the hematoma that he suffered? Yeah, as the impact was quite big, but uh, he directly mentioned it needed treatment straight away. And actually, there was no time to have that treatment because he needed to fly out to Argentina. So in, in that made sense to to uh, to stay at home, give it a good treatment because he could not move the leg. And he said, if it would have been probably a European round and I could have done the treatment and stay at home and drive to Jerez, for example, the same weekend, maybe he could have ridden. But uh, he said it was not the case. I said, well, Argentina, you have to travel two days without treatment. He said, I, I would not have been able to move my leg. And uh, that was one of the results uh, that he uh, yeah, was uh, medical unfit. Okay, guys, so we're going to talk a little bit more about Austin uh, a little bit later in the episode. But before that, I want to go back to the last race in Argentina. Obviously, it was a bit of a complicated weekend for the team. You only had one rider. Raul Fernandez was your sole participant in the Argentine Grand Prix. And I think we saw in the race, wet conditions, they weren't ideal. The track was very dirty as well. We saw a difficult time for the Aprilias. I mean, can you guys maybe under, understand what exactly was, was going on there? Why, why didn't we see the best from the Aprilia riders in Argentina? Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, we look really forward to with, to go with two riders, first of all, and especially when it rained, of course, on the Sunday, because, uh, yeah, Raul uh, Miguel is especially strong last year with winning two races. Anyway, the first two practices, uh, the Aprilia boys were first and second um, in the dry. But then, of course, on Saturday, the qualifying was wet and everybody struggled a little bit to, to qualify themselves on the first two rows. And uh, I think especially for the Aprilia boys, that's what, this was the main uh, problem. But even in the race, when we, we saw the warm-up also wet, they didn't do a real bad job. And they felt with the bike quite okay. But during the race, they did not get the tire temperature right. And uh, they struggle to, to, to get grip and to get out of the corner. So, uh, But they all three end up a little bit together. And uh, yeah, Raul uh, had finally two points. And we were happy to, to have him uh, finishing at least uh, with two points in the pocket. Because uh, yeah, he was fighting with uh, Nakagami. And he has been struggling last year with other boys in the back. But uh, now finally with other riders and in, in a group to, to see him finishing having two points was uh, at least uh, positive for us. Yeah, I think... Um Okay, we, we put aside the race day because his, uh, the condition is not very good. But for him to qualify at uh, 13th, I think that's a good improvement, good step for him. Um, yeah, we just have to progress from there. 
the thing is, a lot of it is about confidence. We know how important it is that that kind of uh, that confidence. Obviously, you brought Noé Herrera in as a as a crew chief. Are you seeing that his confidence is growing? He seemed to lose a lot of confidence last year at Tech Three. No, I think he made a big step in the winter time. And I think we forget that all the boys where he's fighting with are different riders than he was fighting with last year. So if you have eight Ducatis at the moment that are really strong, then you still have uh, Fabio there, you have Mark, you have all you know, world champions there. Uh, uh, Mir also, not to forget. So before you know it, you are on position 12, 13 or 14. And actually that's where he is at the moment. And of course we expect a lot from him because he has a lot of talent. But clearly those boys around him have more experience at the moment. And uh, we need to yeah, calm him down and uh, take, give him a little bit more time to uh, outperform himself. Yeah, not, not forgetting he is the youngest kid uh, on MotoGP. Uh, we are actually paying a lot more attention to him to make sure that he's um, more calm, to get his confidence back. I mean, we put a lot of work to make sure that he has fun. You know, uh, similar to what we did in uh, 2019 with Fabio, we actually like protect him to make sure that he's uh, feeling comfortable with the structure, with everybody around him, um, to make him have fun again. Uh, I think that's important. How do you protect him as a, as a team principal or a team manager? I mean, can you tell us maybe one or two of the techniques? Is it a, a case of putting an arm around the shoulder and, and trying to make him feel loved, to make him feel comfortable, to make him feel welcomed? Uh, well, uh, for example, uh, you know, he was, of course, disappointed to finish 14th in Argentina. But, uh, you know, if, if you uh, agree with that and, and you give him the feeling that ah, we expected more, but... You can also say you, you beat the winner from last year because he finally finished in front of Alej and he was on the same bike and Alej was 15th and you know, uh, Miguel, oh, sorry, Raul was 14th. So you always need to look to the positive thing when he finished the race, you know, and uh, those boys are giving everything. And we saw also from Peko how easy is it is to not finish because Peko was clearly uh, on a mission to, to ride this uh, race safely and uh, put it on the bike on the podium and, uh, you know, come... Uh, back to Austin with a lot of points ahead but finally he also need to keep on racing and keep concentrated and uh, not to lose the bike you know because in the rain everything is possible well, what did you think of Marco Bezzecchi's performance because obviously it was you know fantastic race and he just looked really calm and serene and almost not like he was racing at all uh, uh, almost yeah, no, no, I, uh, I saw that race and to finish ahead of the whole group five seconds in the, in the wet and also what he did, uh, you know, in the dry. So he's uh, clearly a title challenger and uh, I saw magazines uh, who's going to chase uh, Pecco and I think it's Marco Bezzecchi. It's quite clear after two races and uh, yeah, as, as you said, he's very calm and he's very keen to the media and he's not stressed out about anything. He's just doing his dream and try to enjoy it to the maximum. It shows also how good the Ducati is. Huh? I mean, that's a bit worrying yeah. for everybody. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he looks like he looks really comfortable on that bike and he's just blitzing him in that round. Uh, let's see how he does it in, in round three. But, but that Ducati is damn good. <laughs> Do you think he could be the new star of MotoGP this year, Razlan? The same way that maybe we looked at Enea Bastianini last year as the, the new kid that has come to the series and is making a big impression? I think, I think all the eight Ducati riders have a chance. Because again, I think it's the bike is doing... The bike is really good. I mean, look, look at Alex Marquez. You know, two years with Honda hardly make an impact, well, except for the first year. But to come to come in in his second race to get on the podium, I mean, I mean, with, with not offending uh, uh, 
Alex, but I mean, he is a world champion. Okay, but it's just that the bike is that good. Uh, it, interesting about the different approach. Alex Marquez was uh, with Honda. Um, he was in the LCR team, didn't get a lot of uh, uh, attention. Alex Rins today in Spanish was sort of saying that he felt a little bit neglected by Honda. Um, Aprilia, Ducati, especially Aprilia, like you have um, Romano in your uh, box regularly, you seem to get a lot more support. Is this an, a difference in attitude between European and, and Japanese manufacturers? I think, I think before we'll go answer that, I'll answer first. <laughs> uh, I think yes. I think the attitude of the Japanese factory team is so much different than the attitude of the European team. You know, the, the Aprilia and the Ducati is very different. We've seen it. In only our second race, we've seen it. The first test, the I mean, the support that they give us, not only from what we are contracted to them, mm. you know, the the constant uh, visit by Massimo Romano and the likes of them to come in to make sure that everything's okay is something that we really appreciate, and it gives the confidence to the to the riders. You know, uh, they don't feel like they are in a satellite team. You know, they get as much attention. You know, for, for even for Raul, when he's the only one in Argentina, for Massimo to come in and sit down and chat with him, it's good to see. And did I hear, I think Raul said in one of his debriefs in Argentina, um, he was struggling at one point in one of the practice sessions. Aleish maybe allowed him to follow him for one or two laps and give him an idea of where he was strong, where he was yeah. uh, missing out. And I guess Raul was very thankful. This is a, another sign that Aprilia is working together with you guys very closely. Yes, yes. So, yeah, they try to help out uh, in every place. And the passion and ambition is is. Yeah, that that high that they you know they are here to win and they really want to win and they want to take risks, you know, and and that's what I think you and also we missed a little bit with the Japanese manufacturers, they, uh, quite a bit, you know, the, the the level is good and the bikes are fine and never nothing is breaking down, but you need to take risk if you really want to win and if the ambition is high enough, you take those risks and these boys are clearly uh, willing to do anything to to be on top. Absolutely, yes. Um, so switching our attention to this weekend here at the Circuit of the Americas in Austin, uh, David and I were listening to the riders' debriefs uh, here today at the track on Thursday before practice one kicks off tomorrow morning. The big talking point was the condition of the track. It's probably the bumpiest track that we have in the entire MotoGP calendar. I mean, this obviously presents a, a massive... Um, uh, it's quite a big challenge for you guys to find the correct setup. I mean, can you tell us a little bit of how, how difficult is it, uh, this track, well, for the riders? Did they fix the bump? Did they fix the bump? No, they, what they've done is they've, uh, they ha what they do is they sort of shave a little bit off of, off of the top of the bumps, but they've done it several times and there's still some bumps. And also, like, for example, the, the, the back straight, it's hard to fix that because it's not so much a bumps, it's more sort of, you know, undulations I'm and waves. and stuff. Or if I am allowed it, because when I was at Sapansuka, every single little bump, you know, they complain <laughs> to me, and I have to fix it proper. Yeah, you know. Uh, so yeah, I, I think it has to do with the underground. So the bumps are yeah. moving from left to right and back. Yeah, we, we, had, we had water in Sapansuka that moved from turn seven to turn nine. Yes, we had those problems since 1999. I, <laughs> I went around the track this morning, and they shaved again a little bit in 19, but actually they did not do a lot. 
uh, this year. Last year, I think they, they have done more, and yeah, the need to do more, I don't know at the moment because yeah, no, we have not nobody seen around. But uh, so far, it, it doesn't look very bad. But uh, yeah, it's it's a bumpy track and it's very uh, physical, demanding. It's uh, of course 20 corners and it's only 20 laps. But the first split is uh, is really hard because it's high speed. You don't have to roll off throttle, but you have to keep on moving and have a, a good agility on the bike so that you can make the corners fast. And if you miss the first one on, on apex, you screw up all the other corners as well behind it. So it's a two, three, four, five, six are gone. So uh, then the lap is basically done, you know, so uh, you have to start all over again, but you need to finish the lap first before you can do another attack. A bit of an odd question, but say you crash down at turn 11. It's a long way. This is such a long track. It would take forever to get the bike back. And there are other tracks where, you know, you you crash and it's fine. You know, Saxony, you crash, doesn't matter. You, you get the bike back. That's why we minutes. have two bikes. <laughs> <laughs> this is MotoGP. We have two bikes. No, we have Torlive around and he's always on the scooter. We always have connection. Many times you're not able to get the bike back. This is also, of course, this happens. But uh, yeah, also with this new concept, FP3 is actually uh, quite a sensitive practice because you can't afford to crash in exactly. FP3. So FP3 is more serious than all the other practices because if you miss that one and uh, yeah, and you screw up the the, the qualifying, and that's uh, priority number one for the weekend. Is the preparation for the bike here different to the majority of other races just because of the track surface? Yes, yeah, there is a lot of hard braking, so for sure uh, setup is a little bit different. The base balance not not so bad because you have fast corners, slow corners, hard braking, and yeah, short Mickey Mouse turns. You know, like turn eleven is a yeah, what is it? The rollator corner, I call it, <laughs> because with a rollator you can go through faster than uh, with the bike. But anyway, uh, exits are important, and, and the last 15, 16, 17 turn is a long, you know, right side corner, and yeah, you tear the tire quite a lot. But overall, the base setup is not bad, but uh, not completely different, but a little bit, yes. Okay, absolutely. One of the interesting things about this weekend, I guess, is uh, the man that's won, I think, seven of the nine races here at this track, and Mark Marquez isn't here. Um, we also heard today that um, basically the appeal for the penalty that he received that was going to be at the next race, that is uh, under consideration. I think he's received a stay of execution. Uh, welcome. Just uh, your opinion, you know, Mark has served his penalty now. Do you think... That well, yes. Uh, look, in, in the beginning, of course, with the two long lap, we were very disappointed because we thought it, it, he deserved more. But now he's already three races out. And actually, uh, you know, I, I, I'm... I'm okay with anything. You know, he's also three races out. We have our rider back and we need to start from this weekend onwards. And, uh, you know, those boys are making mistakes. He already accepted that he deserved the penalty. Which one it was, it didn't doesn't matter so much anymore because he's also three races out, which is a lot. And um, that's enough for me. So if he appealed because it was not correct in the, in the paperwork and we need to keep ourselves to the program and to the rules, which also should the organization do. And if they've written it wrong and, uh, and they, they fight against it. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I like to be a little bit more critical on this. I mean, this is MotoGP. It's a world championship. I mean, for the stewards not able to make a decision at this stage, it's, it's a real joke. Okay, I mean, yeah, the incident has passed, but we need to have a resolution on how to move forward in the future. 
So it's more know. about not having a repeat of this, where yeah, exactly. uh, where 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 you know uh, yeah. uh, a penalty is imposed and yeah. they appeal and then yeah. it gets and, and, changed. And, and it's also the principle of the championship, principle of law of the of the. FIM thing, you know what I mean? At the end of the day, you have to serve the penalty. Mm -hmm. I mean, so what if he miss Argentina and now he miss uh, America because of injury? He has to serve the penalty. We all expect that when you have the penalty, okay, you need to serve it. Okay, just because you're out of injury doesn't mean you serve it, you know? And, and that, that's one. Okay, mm -hmm. and number two, for the stewards not able to make this decision shows a lot what a joke they are. Mm -hmm. Okay, and until now, we have not heard any single statement from FIM, from the stewards. You know, they 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 oblivious of the repercussion of what they did. You know, and in the championship suffering, we're it's a, it's a big joke. It's a world championship. You know, life at risk for riders racing already, and yet they're not doing anything. They come out with a twenty pages uh, uh, statement today. Okay, a decision not to do anything. You know, it's silly. Yeah. No, no, I, I don't. Yeah, get me wrong. I completely agree with that. But I, I want to focus on what is now. You know, I, this is out of my control, and uh, clearly uh, the penalty was not what uh, we expected. You know, uh, if if we saw uh, uh, Aaron Connett, uh, for example, making this. Uh, uh, yeah, the, the the start, the penalty for the start was also too long lap. You know, he made a false start in in Argentina. He had a too long lap. And that makes sense in my eyes. In the past, you had the 30 seconds penalty because you have to go through pit lane. This is too much because he just moved. He had no advantage. And with the two long lap, it was acceptable. He lose one and a half or two or three seconds. That was enough. But when Mark T-boned uh, Miguel, that clearly was a bigger mistake in my eyes. And he could have been killed. And, and that deserved a bigger penalty. Which one, I don't no, but not the too long lap, you know. So anyway, I, I agree with that, and and but also the organization need to step up the game in my eyes. I, I don't know when FIM is really going to wake up and do something. To be honest, I mean it's, I mean nobody's learning anything. You know, so what what if it happens again this weekend? You know, so what what are they going to do? Consistency needs to be better, I think, right? Would you yes. agree with that? Yeah, one hundred percent. But yeah, especially the moments and the accidents we had in uh, in Portimao, that's it. That that's a mistake, and it's a T-bone on a rider that enters a corner. You come from behind, and and yeah, you have to take care at least for the riders. Of course, you want to uh, see riders passing each other, and they will make mistakes, and accidents will happen. This is racing; we know that. But if you make a disaster like that. Uh, the penalty need to be bigger, you know, and, and I did it myself as well. You, you, you realize when you fuck up, you fuck up and uh, you're going to hurt somebody. But that there is a penalty for it, that's, that's normal. Absolutely. Um, changing our, our attentions, um, looking back at the first race when we last saw Miguel competing, he was fighting for victory. I mean, I guess considering his injury, we can't maybe be expecting that kind of uh, thing this weekend. We probably have to be a little more modest in our expectations. Would you agree with yeah, that? I, I, as I said in previous interviews, I mean, we know that Miguel has a chance to do something this year, this season, but the highest chance of him doing something special is at his home Grand Prix. And we saw that. Okay, unfortunately, uh, uh, things happen. Uh, so now we are taking uh, a step back uh, because it's uh, he's coming back from injury, uh, first time in Circle uh, uh, America. So we we're taking it session by session. I think. Um, so we 
where I don't dare to put anything at, at the moment. No, it's indeed difficult. Austin yeah. is, is so long and it's such yeah. a yeah, special track, I would say. It is difficult to predict. Also, both boys uh, didn't have a fantastic uh, last year here. And, of course, they were on a different bike. They chose the wrong tire, in my eyes, because everybody was on soft and they were both on medium. So let's learn something from that first of all but uh, first we want to see them uh, confident and fast around this racetrack and um, yeah so uh, step by step is this a good track for Aprilia because last year we saw um, Aleish and Maverick finish similar yeah. positions Aleish was saying today that he feels that he's not very strong at this track especially in the first sector it's not really suited to his riding style Maverick on the other hand loves this place and we saw him with really good yeah. rhythm in last year's race I mean do you think this is this is a track suited to the RSGP um, I, I think not spectacular it shoots the track but I think Maverick is very good here and, and basically he made him mistake last year during qualifying because he was too far back uh, the first two three laps he lost too much time and he finished 10th I think in 11 they were but uh, it doesn't particularly shoot I think the Aprilia but uh, if you qualify well and this is the target then it should not be a drama to follow the boys in the front this is uh, another thing but if you start uh, from behind top 10 uh, will be very difficult to uh, to fight to the top because everybody will be gone is it a rider's track or is it a bike track? Is it a track which suits a particular bike or is it a, a track where riders either like it or they don't and they go fast? You have to explain that on a little bit more. A rider's track or a bike yeah. track? So I think it's a bit of a combination of that. Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, as it seems, I said. It, yeah, it, it, it seems that some riders love it yeah. and some riders hate yeah. it uh, and, and it splits opinion a lot more. There's lots of other tracks where... Well, we've, seen, of, we've seen it before with uh, Fabio and Yamaha, right? Before, yeah. it was, before that track in, in uh, Austria. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's not a Yamaha track, but then... Yeah, it was, it was fantastic there, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, it's all in the line, isn't it? Yes, <laughs> it's all in the mind. It's all in the mind. Yeah. No, I I, I believe that uh, every track is uh, you can be fast, mm -hmm. but of course uh, it starts with the qualification and preparing your bike well, mm -hmm. and uh, believe that you're able to do it. You know, and this is uh, at this track uh, because there are so many different moments in a lap that you are able to get distracted by anything because there's so so such a yeah different position on the bike and with the bike that it's uh, easy to uh, to forget that you need to be precise and uh, concentrate on exits. Just finally, guys, wrapping up this, uh, this episode, um, obviously this is a very physical track. It's the first time that we're going to have a sprint race, then the full race here. I mean, this is probably going to be the ultimate physical test for your riders this weekend, right? Yeah, but the sprint race is only 10 laps, so it's not so long. <laughs> That is, that is more the riders were telling us earlier. They were all saying, no, no, 10, red, 10 laps sprint race is going to be just as bad. Yes, no, no, it's yeah, true. It is a demanding track, so um, I, I, can't, I can't say anything until we see after the race tomorrow. <laughs> okay, fantastic. Well, I think that brings us to the end of our discussion today, guys. Um, I would like to say thanks very much to you, Wilco. Uh, thanks as well, Razlan, and thanks, David, for uh, joining us today. And thank you, listener, for once again tuning in to RNF Unlocked, episode one of the podcast series. We hope you continue to check out the next episode, where we'll bring you even more unlocked access from the Crypto Data RNF MotoGP team.